Today is July 13th, 2021, and you're listening to the Self-Protectorate Broadcast Podcast. I am The Burb. On today's show, we're going to talk specifically about government corruption and why government is corrupt, why it will always be corrupt, and what we can do about it by instituting a self-protectorate to help change that. So let's get right into it. So, like last week's format, this time I'll be pulling up articles and screen sharing them for you. So, for those of you catching the podcast version of the show, don't worry, there will still be plenty of ample points, and I'll explain in detail what's going on. Also, this broadcast will be posted to bethebird.com on the broadcasts page, or the casts page, rather, right here, where you can find our prior broadcasts and podcasts for this year and share those links with your loved ones with your friends and family. Please share them, get this information out. It's so important. All right, moving on. This past week, I saw news that Toyota will no longer be donating to any Republican lawmakers campaign if those Republicans objected to the election certification of Joe Biden. Uh, This goes straight back to the whole January 6th incident where old Uncle Sam is now trying to paint patriots who were misled and who were intentionally let into the Capitol building as domestic terrorists. I mean, whole whole cities can burn over this past summer. Uh, Police officers and the innocent public can be accosted and assaulted by actual anti-capitalist political groups such as Antifa. In fact, an entire autonomous zone can be erected in the downtown area of a major U.S. city and declared to be a separate country, but Uncle Sam doesn't go after those folks. No, no, no. They can burn churches, they can shoot police, they can murder people in the street, but evidently Uncle Sam doesn't care about it enough to call them domestic terrorists. No. But if you happen to attend a peaceful rally in support of election integrity at the capital of the United States, where the only person that was shooting was the Capitol Police, uh, then Uncle Sam labels you as a terrorist. I mean, this whole fake narrative that the U.S. government has concocted against patriots and conservatives who care about their country is right out of the King George III playbook. During King George's time in England, the colonialists who wanted out of England were viewed by the Crown as being terrorists. We call them patriots. England called them terrorists. So what we have now is just another situation where government gets way, way too big and out of control and is now persecuting anyone who loves their country as being a terrorist. Remember, I said love their country, okay? A country is not the same thing as government. Patriots love their country and they love their government so long as its values align with that of the country. But what we have today in the United States is a government whose values have long diverted from the traditional values of the country. Uh, But I digress on this for now. Let's get right into this. So uh, Toyota has decided that, yes, Toyota, has decided that it's in their best interests to make a splash in the political arena and declare to their customers that they want nothing to do with anyone at the January 6th protest in DC. Um, Does that mean they also don't want to sell you a car? I'm just saying that this seems like they're going out of their way to disenfranchise about half of their potential customer base. As a business strategy, they're aiming a loaded gun straight at their leg. So let's take a look at this headline from NBC News from July 8th. 
uh, Toyota will stop donating to Republicans who objected to election certification. I mean, this might as well read, Toyota hates half the country. Uh, down in the article here on the second paragraph, it states, uh, Toyota's decision to donate to those lawmakers after January 6 uh, troubled some stakeholders, and for that reason we have decided to stop contributing to those members of Congress, the company said in a statement. So, aside from the obvious vitriol that Americans who love their country should have against Toyota at this point, uh, there is a deeper problem running through the vein of the country exposed right here. And that problem is known as lobbying, which is, of course, the legalized bribery of Congress. So when you hear talk in the media about campaign donations from large companies or PACs or super PACs or wealthy philanthropists, philanthropists or nonprofits, uh, company, companies or PACs, that, that these are all the same, etc. okay? Large groups that are donating to political causes. What is really going on is wealthy or powerful and influential people or organizations that are greasing the skids of government uh, to make the laws in their favor. And of course, as I have eloquently pointed out before and will continue to point out again and again, is that government is corrupt because the system of law is corrupt. Because the law is allowed to change at any time and for any reason and for the right price, apparently. What this means is that government, even the U.S. government, established by the U.S. Constitution, you know, as good of a document as it was or is, all government is intentionally designed to be corrupt because the entire basis of man's government is based on changeable law. And it doesn't even matter the type of government either. All government is based upon this presumption this presumption, this presupposition that there must be a system of law that can be changed. Now, the type of government simply states who gets to change the law and ultimately control the levers of power over the state. So back in 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that corporations, trade associations, unions, and nonprofits could now have the same rights as individuals and corporations in donating to political campaigns. Um, this was reported by OpenSecrets.org on January 21st, 2010, and I remember that this was big news at the time. It was huge news. Uh, the article says, in doing so, the Supreme Court, led by Justice Anthony Kennedy, tossed out the distinction between individuals and corporations in their and their ilk when it comes to independent expenditures. Uh, this court now concludes that independent expenditures, including those made by corporations, do not give rise to corruption or the appearance of corruption, Kennedy wrote in the majority opinion in Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission. That speakers may have influence over or access to elected officials does not mean that those officials are corrupt and the appearance of influence or access will not cause the electorate to lose faith in this democracy." End quote. Oh my gosh, don't you just love how at the end of that quote, the, the then political dynasty member, Justice Kennedy, used the word democracy in reference to the type of government the United States has? See, that right there is a key word. 
because anyone who has read the U.S. Constitution knows that the word democracy never appears anywhere in the document, and anyone who has studied the Founding Fathers knows that they were collectively against the establishment of a democracy in the United States. What they created and established was a republic, not a democracy. Now you could well say that's just a parsing of words, but this guy was a U.S. Supreme Court Justice. He should know better. And in fact, he did know better. He intentionally called the U.S. government a democracy because that is a key term to identifying your loyalty as a communist in this country. Most of the population may not know the difference between a republic or a democracy. Heck, most of the population has trouble knowing when to wash their hands, let's be honest. But not this guy. No, he is well-educated. And all of those who are politicians or work in politics know that when someone uses the, the keyword democracy in reference to the U.S. government, then they are admitting to those in the know that they are in fact a communist and in league with the communist agenda that's constantly pushed out by the United Nations. And it is from this last word that you should know then, the word democracy, that you should know then what his political leanings are. And then you can understand why he voted in the Supreme Court the way that he did. I mean, how can any other reasonable person explain this? How can you say independent expenditures, including those made by corporations, do not give rise to corruption or the appearance of corruption? Hello! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, his statement on corruption was blatantly corrupt in and of itself. But what do you expect when we live in an era where good is called evil and evil is called good? Certainly, the then-Justice Kennedy's family benefited, and still benefits, from political donations from corporations. Again, th this is why I'm against nepotism in politics and why we shouldn't have political dynasties. This is why, in a self-protectorate, there are no political dynasties allowed. In a self-protectorate, nepotism is not allowed, not permitted, not legal. It's illegal for someone who is related to another office holder to be elected to state office in a self-protectorate because it creates a condition of perpetual corruption just like in this instance that I am now pointing out to you from 11 years ago and this ruling from the US Supreme Court has had drastic effects on the politics of the United States since that time so this ruling from 2010 made it legal for corporations trade associations unions nonprofits etc to donate directly to political to political campaigns I mean it's just corrupt on its face. And since that time, there has been a surge in government corruption that has not stopped or slowed even when Donald Trump was president. Uh, by the way, this next article, this article was from uh, OpenSecrets.org. It's a great resource to use to assist you with the nitty-gritty research into politics. Uh, you should check it out and bookmark the page. Uh, their big spiel is that they follow the money in politics, and if you really want to know what is going on politically in the U.S. government or and state governments or even local governments, uh, then you need to follow the money. Uh, this website, by the way, um, is followthemoney.org. Um, 
It's another great tool. It's maintained by the National Institute on Money and Politics, and I think that they are actually merging right now with OpenSecrets.org to help bring even more clarity to what's actually going on in the political arena that's being hidden from most people. Um, so what can politicians and their cronies do with unused campaign funds? So I just went over the fact that corporations and nonprofits and other groups can donate to a political campaign in order to gain favors of a political candidate so that when they are in office, they will be, they will be more likely to favor those special interest groups. Gee, I can't imagine why. I mean, let's be honest. There's no other reason for special interest groups to donate to campaigns. They're trying to get a guy or a gal in there that will quote represent them or really they're trying to buy politicians before they even get into office or keep their preferred politicians in office so this information comes from ballotpedia.org from a 2016 article what can politicians do with unused campaign funds well the interesting thing about this article is that it shows that legally those unused campaign funds cannot be directly used for personal expenses but they can be used to pay for winding down costs. Um, campaign funds, quote, can be used to wind down the office of a federal lawmaker. According to the FEC, winding down costs are ordinary and necessary expenses incurred in connection with one's duties as a federal office holder and can include moving costs, payment to campaign committee staff, or gifts or donations of nominal value to persons other than the members of the candidate's family." End quote. So, in other words, uh, the money can go to just about anybody so long as it does not go directly to the candidate or to their family. And campaigns can rack up millions of dollars in excess. The article also points out that um, excess campaign funds can be donated to charity, are you thinking Bill Gates or Hillary Clinton? I'm sure there's no corruption there. <laughs> uh, the funds can also be donated to other political campaigns or donated to any political party activity at the federal, state, or local level. Apparently, there is also the option of doing nothing and letting the money sit and roll over and accrue interest. Yes, the funds in political campaigns accrue interest. Did you know that? It's exposed right here in this article, which means those funds are not held in a non-interest-bearing escrow account where the money can't be used for loans, but rather an interest-bearing bank account where the bank or financial institution is then able to use those funds to loan out via fractional reserve lending and make a lot of money for themselves and the political campaign as well. And now you know another reason why politicians and big banks get along so well. And of course, if the lawmaker or former lawmaker dies, those funds can then be distributed by the campaign's treasurer. You see, a political campaign is literally a business that relies on donations and favors. Hard to believe that five U.S. Supreme Court justices somehow determined that there was no link at all between political campaign donations and corruption. Isn't it hard to believe that they came up with that? You've got to be kidding me. Totally corrupt on its face. Of course, campaign donations aren't even where the bulk of the corruption happens with our corrupt system of law. It's really just the tip of the iceberg. The real corruption is found in lobbying, which you should know is nothing more than a legalized form of bribery in order to get bills written by corporations passed into law. 
So what is a lobbyist? According to wordnick.com, a lobbyist is, quote, one who frequents the lobby or the precincts of a legislature or other deliberative assembly with the view of influencing the votes of members. A member of the lobby, a person who solicits members of a legislature for the purpose of influencing legislation, or a person remunerated to persuade to lobby politicians to vote in a certain way or otherwise use their office to affect a desired result, or uh, someone who is employed to persuade legislatures to vote for legislation that favors the lobbyist's employer. Did you know that in Washington, D.C., there exists a number of professional lobbying firms where all they do all day and all week and all year long is get hired by corporations to make contact with D.C. politicians in order to push bills and get legislation passed that will benefit their company? Well, if you didn't know that before, you do now. Here is one of those lobbying firms. This is Lobbyit or LobbyIT, LobbyIT.com. And you'll see here, for those of you watching the video versions of the broadcast, that at the top of their page, they have a tab, a tab for uh, practice areas. I'm going to click on that. And, wow! Look at all the areas that they have practice in. And it's just amazing. I mean, look at all these areas which lobbying firm has access to all of our politicians. Uh, defense, education, energy, healthcare, international affairs, science and technology, transportation and infrastructure. Wow. I mean, they literally have teams of people at their firms, attorneys who have contacts with campaign staffers who are also attorneys and their paralegals and assistants that will work in tandem to help your company or nonprofit or special interest group to write bills or even use model legislation that your company or group has adapted and they will push those bills into the political campaigns of senators and congressmen. Now let's go click on the pricing tab and this is one of the cheaper lobbying firms in the, in the DC Beltway by the way and you can see they charge a monthly subscription because you know why not, right? We live in an era of subscription-based services, and don't you always want to have a congressman or a senator in your back pocket if you own a large corporation or a bank? I mean, what's $8,000 or more per month for a large corporation or bank, right? I mean, it's chump change to them. Not to me, not to you. You see, it's lobbying firms like these and all lobbying firms and lobbyists that really insulate the D.C. Beltway and cut off the American people from direct access to their representatives on most if not all issues uh, most Americans cannot afford two thousand dollars a month let alone eight thousand dollars a month or more as a capital investment to ensure that their interests are protected and their freedoms secure these lobbying firms are literally the gateway in how the US government and state and local governments collude with big businesses and big banks Small businesses can't even compete unless they want to spend, you know, $24,000 to $100,000 a year or more, an absolute huge chunk of their profits trying to push for a law that can somehow benefit them and other businesses in their industry. Ah, but that's where business, business and trade unions come into play, you say. Oh, please. 
as if business or trade unions actually have all of their small businesses in mind. It's just an extra cost for the small business. And this is just another way that the small businesses in this country are routinely screwed over by Uncle Sam. They are priced out from having a fair seat at the table. But remember, the fact that there is a table to begin with only exists due to the premise of changeable law found in government. If the law was not changeable like in a self-protectorate, then there would be no need for lobbyists or lobbying firms. There would be no legalized bribery going on. There would be no laws changing to benefit the rich and screw over the poor and middle class. And there would be no need for a Congress because there would be no need for a mechanism to change the law since the law is unchangeable. As a state system, this is what sets self-protectorate apart from government. Self-protectorate relies on a system of unchangeable and permanent law while government relies on a system of changeable and corruptible law. This is why self-protectorate is better than government at protecting the lives, liberties, and property of the people than government ever can. Because in a self-protectorate, your freedoms, rights, and privileges are always recognized and are actually protected from abuse, unlike you know, what is found in government that, that says it protects them, but actually ends up abusing them and abusing you in the end. So speaking of model legislation, uh, this article from April 4th, 2019, titled, You Elected Them to Write New Laws, They're Letting Corporations Do It Instead, comes from the Center for, for Public Integrity, found at publicintegrity.org. Uh, you'll see the subheading here also says, copy, paste, legislate. Uh, the article says, each year, state lawmakers across the U.S. introduce thousands of bills dreamed up and written by corporations, industry groups, and think tanks. Disguised as the work of lawmakers, these so-called model bills get copied in one state capital after another, quietly advancing the agenda of the people who write them. A two-year investigation by USA Today, the Arizona Republic, and the Center for Public Integrity reveals for the first time the extent to which special interests have infiltrated state legislatures using model legislation. USA Today and the Republic found at least 10,000 bills almost entirely copied from model legislation were introduced nationwide in the past eight years, and more than 2,100 of those bills were signed into law. The investigation examined nearly 1 million bills in all 50 states. 1 million bills, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, how many laws have to change? So the invest I'll continue with the quote. The investigation examined nearly 1 million bills in all 50 states in Congress using a computer algorithm developed to detect similarities in language. That search, powered by the equivalent of 150 computers that ran nonstop for months, compared known model legislation with bills introduced by lawmakers. And that's how they came up with that. So they found at least 10,000 bills that were almost entirely copied from model legislation. And I mean, you've, you've got to be kidding me. So th this is pretty pretty tough stuff because 21, more than 2,100 of those bills were signed into law. So you have 10,000 bills, 2,100, that's about 20%, 21% of all those that are, were put into place that were pushed through Congress in state legislatures or through the General Assembly in state legislatures and state houses that became law. That's pretty significant very significant. 
So um, the website for the Center of Public Integrity at publicintegrity.org also lets you use a built-in app that can identify model legislation being pushed through state governments. Uh, model legislation is draft legislation written by corporation ba corporations, banks, and special interests that um, is used as a template for a bill that can be tweaked to pass through different state governments, but essentially you know, providing the same agenda-driven um, recourse that proposes laws to be changed in favor of all corporations throughout all of the U.S. So it's the same agenda essentially being pushed uh, through all the different state houses. And this is a page on the Center for Public Integrity uh, Integrity's website under State Politics uh, that shows a few different articles related to model legislation and how um, all of it's being used to push legislation throughout all the states. Um, so here's one called the multi-state push to let dealers get away with selling you a defective car. Uh, ever wonder why there are so many recalls on cars these days? I mean, heck, I get one in the mail at least every couple of months. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. Uh, this is why right here. So you can see that it's this copy and paste draft legislation being pushed through lobbying firms that really in the end harm the American people. And let's not forget that all this draft legislation is floating around out there somewhere on some corporate server just waiting in the wings to be modified or tweaked by the giants of industry and their teams of attorneys to push through and make more favorable laws for them, not for us. So moving on, let's go to the next end. Here is an article from Wharton University of Pennsylvania from June 2nd, 2018, found under their public policy section titled co-opting the Constitution how corporations influence American law uh, the article is actually a piece to promote a book titled we the corporations by Adam Winkler the article states quote American citizens think of the US Constitution as a living document that guarantees civil rights but many don't realize the strong influence corporations have had in shaping the highest laws of the land. In his new book, We the Corporations, How American Businesses Won Their Civil Rights, UCLA law professor Adam Winkler explores the 200-year history of how businesses have molded jurisprudence. And this is just one of many books written on the subject. I mean, there are literally thousands of articles that talk about the problem of the U.S. Constitution being co-opted or hijacked. There are dozens or even hundreds of books, documentaries, research papers, uh, news reports, and so on that accurately document the many ways in which corporations, even foreign-owned corporations, dominate the U.S. political landscape. And all this corruption is made possible by the state system that has been such a success throughout history known as government. Don't we all just love government? Hmm. Uh, this next webpage from NPR is an article titled, When Lobbyists Literally Write the Bill. I mean, come on, folks. This is not a left or right issue. Uh, this is an issue of corruption, and we all know it. It affects all of us, no matter what side of the false left-right paradigm you may have been lured into. This is an issue of immense magnitude that affects all Americans. This NPR article from November 11th, 2013 states, it's taken for granted that lobbyists influence legislation, but perhaps less obvious is that they often write the actual bills, even word for word. 
In an example, a week and a half ago, the House passed a measure that would roll back a portion of the 2010 financial reforms known as Dodd-Frank, and reports from the New York Times and Mother Jones revealed that language in the final legislation was nearly identical to language suggested by lobbyists. It's been a long accepted truth in Washington that lobbyists write the actual laws. So with that in mind, let me introduce you now to ALEC, A-L-E-C, or the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is an organization dedicated to pushing model legislation through state governments in an effort to reshape the American political landscape by changing the laws. So let's go to the About page. And let's see what they're all about. Uh, the American Legis Legislative Exchange Council is America's largest nonpartisan voluntary membership organization of state legislators decided dedicated rather to the principles of limited government, free markets, and federalism, comprised of nearly one quarter of the country's state legislatures and stakeholders from across the political the policy spectrum, excuse me, policy spectrum, Alec members represent more than 60 million Americans and provide jobs to more than 30 million people in the United States. So this description that the organization gives of itself sounds good on the surface. Certainly it sounds like it's something a lot of conservatives and patriots can get behind, but it's a two-edged sword and it is actually a Democles sword. Uh, if the political right in the U.S. can, can get, I mean, look at this, ne nearly one quarter of the state legislatures and stakeholders from across this policy spectrum. That's CEOs, CFOs, COOs of major corporations. Uh, if the political right in this country can do this, so can the political left. And the political left does do this, but on a much larger and typically more discrete level. Again, this is not a two-edged sword. This is a Democles sword in action. And it is falling on us the Democles sword of changeable law and infiltration into the system of law by corporations and banks and special interest groups, it's falling on us right now to our overthrow and destruction, ladies and gentlemen. That's how bad the situation has become. So let's take a closer look at Alec from a different perspective. Uh, this article from USA Today from April 5th, 2019, titled, What is ALEC? You know, the American Legislative Exchange Council. Uh, the most effective organization for conservatives, says Newt Gingrich. What is ALEC? It is the most effective organization for conservatives, says Newt Gingrich. The subtitle says, How Copycat Bills Become Your Laws. And right there is where it says how copycat bills become your laws so the American quote the American Legislative Exchange Council became the nation's best-known model bill factory over its four decades by providing more than fill-in-the-blank legislation the industry sponsored group has weathered controversy and flourished because it also offers conservative Republican elected officials a social network access to campaign donors and a blueprint for how to accelerate their political careers. The networking takes place at Alec's annual meetings where the group uh, fets and entertains lawmakers and their families. 
Relationships are forged over drinks and dinners where lawmakers sit alongside conservative luminaries and corporate chiefs. And continuing on in the, uh, the article, it says, What Alec does is more than provide the model bills. They provide relationships, said Alexander Hertel Fernandez, an assistant professor at Columbia University who has studied the influence of Alec and other conservative groups on state legislatures. They approach you when you are first elected and build these enduring social connections with you. By the end of each ALEC conference, attendees leave motivated to evangelize for conservative policies and equipped with ready-made legislation. They are equipped with ready-made legislation. Are you kidding me? Ready-made legislation, ladies and gentlemen. This is a recipe for corruption from the highest levels of industry. We no longer have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. What we have is a government of the corporations, big banks, and special groups, special interest groups, it's by them and for them and their owners, which are the plutocrats of our society. And of course, moving on to the next article, and here's even more evidence and reporting on this major yet mostly unspoken issue. Only unspoken because the bulk of the media is owned or controlled by these same mega corporations and banks and special interest groups that push out these bills and have access to all of Congress and your state legislature. This is a recent article from the Harvard Political Review found at harvardpolitics.com titled Ghostwriting the Government. Now a ghostwriter is an anonymous writer who will write a book and sell it to a person or organization so they can claim authorship and sell the book as if it's their own book, if it's their own work. Uh, the ghostwriter simply signs a non-disclosure agreement and other contractual forms that they cannot claim a copyright on the book. In fact, that's how a lot of books are written these days, uh, through the use of ghostwriters. Well, in this case, what you have is essentially ghostwriters of legislation. You really think that Congress writes its own legislation? I mean, come on, I live in, in Congressman Hank Johnson's district, okay? And uh, this is the guy right here. Uh, this is the guy who thinks that islands are masses of land that float on water. Yeah, that's the caliber of people that are elected to Congress. Uh, not saying that all people that are elected are, are bad or dumb, but certainly you and I can think of quite a few. Um, but do we actually expect the congressmen and senators draft their own bills that they push through? Uh, they can, and sometimes do, but for the most part, like 99 plus percent of the time, the legislation, the bills that are drafted, are given to them to push through uh, their model legislation that's given to them by political donors and by lobbyists. So the article Ghostwriting the Government says, model legislation is much more pervasive than it might initially appear to many Americans. Earlier this year, a study by US News, the Arizona Republic, and the Center for Public Integrity found that copies of legislation were introduced more than 10,000 times over the course of the last eight years. Of these 10,000 bills, 4,000 supported industry and 4,000 supported conservative interests, while 1,600 supported liberal interests. Together, model legislation groups have advanced some of the largest special interest campaigns in American politics, almost always through the veiled politics of the State House. Uh, continuing with the quotation here, it says, 
Since it tends to be less central in Americans' minds than the federal government, the State House provides the ideal cover for special interest politics. A survey by John Hopkins University found that fewer than 20% of Americans could name their state legislatures, and about one-third could not name their governor. Further still, only half of state residents could accurately name which policy issue received the most state funds. Coupled with this lack of public awareness about, the government, about state government is a shocking lack of oversight, which further enables the proliferation of special interest politics. Although 41 states have government bodies to oversee state ethics laws, many of these bodies fail to adequately do their jobs. Only three states in the Union received grades higher than a D-plus from the state integrity investigation for their transparency and accountability. Uh, despite their lack of public attention and regulatory scrutiny, state governments can be pivotal in national policy change. State governments control important social and economic policies, taxes, regulations, social welfare programs, and labor rights, for instance, uh, political scientist Alexander Hertel Fernandez explained it to the HPR. For these reasons, Hertel added, state politics have historically granted opportunities for partisan lawmakers, particularly conservative lawmakers, to advance policy goals that they could not achieve at the federal level. So, I'm going to end this broadcast today with this. I mean, this whole thing is the same process of corruption that took place to create the Federal Reserve, which is a privately owned foreign corporation. And similar to how the Federal Reserve is a foreign corporation that now controls the currency supply for the United States and, in effect, the rest of the world, international corporations, international banks, and even international special interest groups are now using this corrupt process to influence and change U.S. law, state laws, and even local laws throughout the United States. This arrangement ought to be extremely alarming to everybody, especially as major corporations shift their values toward woke culture and cancel culture. But most of all, because right now there are Chinese Communist Party-owned businesses that have and are still infiltrating the American political landscape. Why do you think that the laws surrounding state and national elections is such a hot topic issue right now? Why do you think there's such a huge smokescreen being hoisted upon the American people in regards to the 2020 election integrity issues? Our country has been captured and is beholden to foreign interests, even to the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, just look at the vaccine laws in the United States. How is it possible that the pharmaceutical industry cannot be held liable for any injury from a vaccine? Well, I'll tell you how. It's because the legislation was written by the pharmaceutical industry and passed into law through the mechanism of law known as Congress. This is, this is why government is corrupt. This is why government has always been corrupt, because it can be bought off. The laws don't mean anything if they can be changed and slanted toward favoring groups and organizations other than the people for whom these laws are meant to oversee. The bottom line is this, ladies and gentlemen. You want to know why you've almost lost your constitution? You want to know why things are so bad in this country? It's because of government. I'm not just talking about the U.S. government or about state governments and, or local governments. I'm talking about the idea of government as a state system of authority. It is illegitimate, in my estimation, for a number of reasons, and this is just one. The system of law and the government is corrupt, and it is intentionally designed to be corrupt. I mean, 
Nature's laws don't change. They always stay the same. Can you imagine a world where the laws of nature were treated like the laws of man, where the laws of nature changed without warning and without regard to life on Earth? Uh, one day, gravity would be light, and we would all be feeling a, a little bit better because we have more pep in our step. Then the next day, it would be crushing, and I mean, <laughs> we could not survive. If nature's laws are unchangeable, then man's laws ought to be unchangeable also. So learn more about self-protectorate. Visit BeTheBurb.com. Please tell your family and friends about this broadcast. Also, uh, please check out the book, Self-Protectorate, Blueprint for a Better World. Uh, it's an easy read, only about 120 pages, but packed with information on what exactly a self-protectorate is and how it operates differently than the government so that your freedoms, rights, and privileges are better protected by the state. Self-protectorate is literally a state system designed to end corruption and to permanently stop the advancement of communism. Right now, it's on sale for just $15 at Amazon.com or Gumroad.com. Uh, if you visit BeTheBurb.com, you can find a link to the book for purchase. Uh, please consider purchasing this book and supporting this broadcast. My goal is to promote the idea of self-protectorate as the alternative to government. Please help me in this mission to make the world a better place for all mankind. Uh, the next broadcast will be next Tuesday and every Tuesday from now on. Uh, you can catch it on Rumble or Brighteon, or you can listen to it on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else the, uh, the podcast is being picked up for podcasting. Just search for Self-Protectorate. I am The Burb. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep promoting righteous change.